everybody, and welcome back to the actual first real episode of Anne's Being Frank. We finally have a Gmail set up. It's Anne, Anne's Being Frank, capital A, capital B, capital F, at gmail.com. I'm Jackie, alongside my furry co-host, Kassin, who is running around annoyed that he's not going outside right now. And you finally get to meet Samantha. Hello. The, the Anne, the other Anne. <laughs> Hi, introduce yourself. Give the people a little a little jazz about yourself. Oh, God, it's so difficult. Um, I feel like, you know, I'm the less talkative group, but I feel like bond and sometimes we talk and we can know what each other is thinking and other times we're thinking about each other and don't even need to talk so I feel like that's kind of like the best thing about us as a duo I feel like I agree with you on that I agree with you on that <laughs> and can you believe that the Lizzie Borden house is now up for sale should but we buy it I 100% think so and you know the Mega Millions is now going to be close to like a billion dollars now and I feel like that would be just so easy to do now so we could buy both homes. We oh, could just buy both. We could buy all you know? of Fall River. Oh, I, I mean, yeah, definitely. Because it's not, it's not the, no offense to anybody in Fall River who is listening, but it is um, where, where Lizzie's house is, is like an industrial park, kind of, you mm-hmm. know? I must say, for um, reasons that we don't get sued, that was Sorry <laughs> Not Sorry by Demi Lovato, because I thought Lizzie wasn't sorry. Well, no. she did. No. Even though I really, we'll talk about it, but I really don't, I, I don't believe that, that she did it. Wow. I really, I really, from being in that house, no, mm. the negativity in that house, I do not believe she did it. See, I'm going to, go oh, ahead. sorry. I was just going to say, see, I feel like I don't a hundred percent agree. I, I don't a hundred percent believe that she did it. By herself, at least. I feel like there's a possibility that there was someone else involved in helping her. Because there's a lot of things that make me think that, yes, she did it. But then there's a lot of, like, there were people that came a part of at the court hearing that were saying that at the time her father was allegedly murdered, or was murdered, because it's actual fact, she was outside in the barn at the time. So it kind of makes sense that, like, there's evidence to prove that she didn't do it. And there's so much that proved that she did. And then I'm going to start off with this quote from Lizzie herself. I knew there was an old axe down the cellar. That is all I knew. Who chills like, like chills. Um, do you want to take it away? Start, start it off. Sure. Give yeah. Us the story. Go right ahead. All right. Let's start it. So it starts off on August 4th, 1892. Very hot. Um, they are, this family is very tumultuous, especially at this time. So you, and living in the Borden house at the time, you have Andrew, the father, Abby, his second wife, his oldest daughter, Emma, who I believe was 41 at the time. And then you have Lizzie living there, who's 32. And you have the housemaid, whose name is Bridget, but the family refuses to call her that. And they call her Maggie because that's what their old housemaid's name was which I find hilarious and really rude and mean and totally like of the times and like, so like upper crust, like we're not even going to bother to learn your name. We're just going to give you the name our last maid had. So it's terrible. It's awful, but you know, it's of the time. So you have all these people in the house and not just those people were in the house at the time, but you also have Lizzie and Emma's uncle who is their mother's brother John staying at the house because he was coming to visit he wanted to talk to Andrew about some business dealings and he also wanted to visit some other family members so all these people are in the house and the days leading up to the murder the four main members of the family um, and actually also the maid also have been sick for days nobody can figure out why but the leading thought was that either it was poisoning because there were so many people that didn't like Andrew or it was a case of, also of the times, mutton, the family cooked, but they also kept it uh, so that it would last longer. And people believe that they just got sick because they improperly cared for it over time. So the family's already at odds. They don't get along very well. Now you add in the sickness and the heat and everything. So it's just, you, something's going to go down. You can just feel it. So the, the day of the murder, um, Andrew goes out around 9 a.m. to take his usual morning walk. 
and him and John have some time in the morning where they're going to talk about business, but nobody really knows what they talk about separately as they do. And then he's around a walk around the neighborhood, little jaunt, as it were, and Tom leaves, or John leaves, sorry, to go visit, supposedly, his relative that's sick with the town doctor. At this time, uh, it's just the women in the house. It's Abby, uh, Abby, Lizzie, and Maggie are in the house. Emma's gone to go visit another sick relative, which, that's a lot of sick people. I don't know. It could just be the times. It could just be mutton. Yeah, it could be mutton. mutton I tell you, mutton ya. everywhere. Everybody's eating bad mutton in this time. Mutton problems. Nothing but mutton problems. So, <laughs> so Lizzie is at the home, and normally the job of cleaning up after the guest that's been staying at the house goes to Lizzie and Emma. But for some reason, Abby takes up the job this time, and she heads upstairs at, soon after Andrew's left to go take care of John's room and clean it up. So, which is a little out of the ordinary. But at the time, nobody really thought anything of it. Lizzie is at home at the time. Maggie's there doing her normal cleaning, doing whatever she has to get done. And then nothing really happens in the house until Abby, not Abby, sorry. Maggie hears this really loud knocking at the door. And she runs to the door and it turns out it's Andrew coming back from his walk. And it's, he's having trouble getting back into the house. He's knocking on the door, trying to yell, trying to get somebody to help him get inside. And she goes to the door to help him. And she realizes the door has been jammed, which is odd because that's never the case. And while she's trying to help Andrew get back in the house, she swears she can hear Lizzie laughing hysterically from an area which she thinks, as she's thinking about it later on in hindsight, sounds like the top of the stairs. Not to interrupt, sure. but when I went to, when I stayed there, which we will discuss yes, afterwards, um, the people that stayed in the room, which would have been, um, um, which would have been Emma's and um, Lizzie's room, mm-hmm. even though she did not like to be called Lizzie, she wanted to be called Lizbeth, mm-hmm. um, they heard laughing all night long at the top of the stairs because that's where their room was. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go, go ahead, girl, <laughs> get it going. So the, now the time's right around 1030. Now you have Andrew back in the house. Abby is still supposedly in the house, um, as far as anyone knows. But then when asked for, when Andrew asked for Abby, Lizzie says that she got a telegram telling her to go see another sick friend who was in need of, like, needed to see her right away. Which, again, another sick friend, it seems very strange that now three members of this household are out of the house visiting sick friends. But anyways, right. so it's at, all anybody thinks of at this point, it's just Maggie, Lizzie, and Andrew in the house. Andrew goes to lay down on the couch, take a rest. You know, he had a very nice long walk, walked around the neighborhood of lovely scenic Fall River. And yeah. Lizzie goes to help yeah. him. <laughs> Lizzie goes to help him take his boots off, and she's trying to help him. And as she's helping him get ready to rest, she tells Maggie, "Oh, you know, there's this big sale going on at the local department store. You should go check it out. I'm going to give you freedom to go leave the house and go do it." So Maggie thinks about it, and she's like, "You know what? I'm not feeling well. That mutton's still not sitting with Mel with me. I spent all day cleaning. It's hot. It's August. I think I'm just going to go lay down to bed." So she goes up to her third floor bedroom to go rest after all the cleaning, all the mutton, everything, and then uh, leaving Andrew and Lizzie downstairs, which leads up to 11 a.m. when I think it's around 11, 10 a.m. Maggie's awoken by the screams of Lizzie telling her help, help that someone came into the house and killed father. He's dead. And she runs downstairs, sees the bloody mess on the couch Um, Lizzie's looking at her. The first thing Maggie notices is that Lizzie's dress is completely clean. There's no blood on her whatsoever. And Lizzie yells to her, tells her to go get the neighbor, the doctor from next door. And that's, she runs and goes to get the neighbor. And then, so this is right around 11 and people are freaking out like, okay, what's going on? They ask, well, where's, where's your mother? And then this is when things get odd because Lizzie starts saying, well, you know, I think Abby's home. I think she went upstairs. And then she goes and tells Maggie to go upstairs and look for her. Maggie gets, I think halfway up the stairs when she sees, because you can attest to this because you were in the house, but you get to about a halfway point of the stairs and you can see into the guest room and she gets about halfway and she sees the body of Abby laying on the floor face down on the rug. And she was, and she was, and she literally was like, they have a, they have actually in the house, 
a photo, like an a- actual like forensic photo of Abby laying, like laying over, like because she got hit mm-hmm. from behind. She was cleaning the house after the uncle left and um, whoever it was that killed her, which I honestly do not think mm-hmm. it was Lizzie um, and uh, or Lizzie and mm-hmm. somebody else. Um, but yeah, she was right there. Like she was, you wouldn't have missed her if you walked up the stairs at, in, in any capacity. Oh yeah, for sure. And I've watched videos and I've seen movies and I've looked at it and I'm just like, there's no way you could miss it. And some people were thinking maybe at first that she had seen her husband's body on the couch and ran upstairs and just collapsed out of just sheer like panic and fear and like all sorts of emotions. But they get up closer to her and they find the crime scene that you just described. Her head has been like completely bashed in. There's blood everywhere. She's facing the floor, but there's the rug. But you can tell that she's not alive. Like there's no way. And they're trying to like put the pieces together. They go downstairs and they look, get a closer look with the doctor at Andrew's body. And they notice that his body, like the the way he was struck in the face, his eyeball was completely cut in half, like clean cut in half because of the way he was struck in the head. And between Mm -hmm. the two of them, it was close to 30 whacks that they received. I believe Abby was hit 18 times. And I think Andrew was hit about 11 times in the head and they're trying to put the pieces together. And immediately the crime scene just becomes like where they're doing all their investigation. The police, the investigators come to the house and instead of taking the bodies out, they literally brought Abby and Andrew's bodies to the dining room and started doing the autopsy in the dining room, which like thinking about them doing it now would be like insane to think that they would go and just take the murder victims and just start cutting them open willy nilly on the dining room table, like where everybody probably just ate their last meal of mutton, you know? Yeah. The, the yes, rotten exactly. Mutton. The rotten the disgusting mutton. mutton. Now we'll have to watch. Now we'll have to watch that Seinfeld <laughs> episode. We'll talk about that. You know, you'll have to. It's just the so the investigation basically started there, which is just like, who could have done this? Where could this murder weapon have come from? Where is it? Where is any sort of evidence that we can use to put things together? And Lizzie's basically starts off answering questions very strangely doesn't really make any sort of sense. She's very contradictory. She says that she basically heard a groan or some sort of like distress call before entering the house. Cause again, she's telling people that she was out at the barn when um, she, when Andrew was killed. And then two hours later, after initially answering these questions, she told police that she heard nothing and entered the house, not realizing anything had happened. And she says, again, when she recounted where her stepmother was, she said that she received a note asking her to visit a sick friend. And then she also says that she thought that Abby had returned and asked if someone could go upstairs and look for her. And then that's where they found her body. So it's very strange. She's just not making sense. And they can't really get any sort of straight answer out of her. She's not being very forthcoming. And they also felt that she was way too calm for the circumstances, way too poised. And she seemed to have some sort of like attitude going on the entire time and just could not give them a straight answer, which was just throwing them for a loop. They couldn't figure out what was happening. And for someone who has just seen their father murdered, maybe not the stepmother, because, you know, people have issues with their step parents all the time. But her father is dead on the floor and she's not doing very much to help them figure out what had happened to him. So people. And all. And also, sorry, also um, a store clerk testified that Lizzie had tried to purchase cyanide the day before the murders. They said it was um, prussic acid. And when when asked about it, they said that she had asked for it because she wanted to. Another reason why you probably shouldn't like her. She was going to use it to clean some sealskin coat that she had, which like if she's already not a nice person, you can think of her even worse at that point where she's wearing sealskin for a coat. But yeah, no, yeah, not, not a gross, fan. Lizzie. Not a, gross. Yeah, yeah, Lizzie, very gross. But again, she was also an animal lover because she loved pigeons. And that was another thing that got her in with her father towards the end. She actually wanted to start raising pigeons and her father went and killed them. And there's a story that he actually cooked them and had them presented for dinner. So like, clearly it's not like this happy family that everybody thinks of um, some sort of like June Cleaver, like, 
leave it to beaver situation it was definitely not well they were loaded they were loaded and they had no electricity no running water they didn't have a bathroom they um they they had to go outside the outhouse and another fun fact is the woman that now Mm -hmm. has the home um in fall river um lives in the barn wow like above above with no electricity or she has a bathroom she has a bathroom and um but she has to go into the house oh my to make food very what an very interesting choice to make yeah i mean like why would like i would live in the house i would pick a room you know like i would just pick a room i mean i I, oh i don't know um and then again Mm -hmm. she bought the second house um i forget the name of it i think it's like millington Mm -hmm. or something like that uh but she Mm -hmm. bought that house too so it's like you got to be a little loopy to be buying this much stuff and, about Lizzie Borden. Oh, in my 100%. personal opinion, because it's not like people are like banging down doors saying like, "Give me all that Lizzie merch. I need it right now. I need it yesterday." You know, I feel like you have to be a very special yeah. breed to be like, you know what, that Lizzie Borden house, I want to live there, but not actually live there. I want to live in the barn behind it and not have any sort of kitchen area i want to just have a bathroom that's going to be the luxury item for me is a bathroom in the barn behind lizzie borden's house that's it that's the dream yeah and it's in the bathroom that she uses is the bathroom that's in the gift shop because i went in there to buy my lizzie bobblehead that i will put that i will put um up a photo of but so here's here's the Mm -hmm. other here's the thing okay Here's my, here's, okay. here's what I think. Okay. So there's mm-hmm. a, there's a rumor that the uncle, John Morse came back and, and slept upstairs in the attic because obviously he couldn't sleep in the room that he was the, okay. like the guest bedroom right off the, yeah, right off the I front stairs. <laughs> um, um, yeah, because you know, there was mm-hmm. blood all over the carpet. Um, <laughs> um, that he um, slept upstairs in the attic. When you go into the attic of this house, there is the darkest presence you will ever feel. My mother and I went up because they give us, mm-hmm. they give you a full tour, and it's a beautiful home. Oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a lovely home, um, but we got tremendously bad headaches the second we oh. walked into the room where he supposedly oh, stayed in. So, so I don't know. Did he do it? Was he part of it? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I like, so I have no idea. So go ahead. So give me some more facts. they are all living. So they stay in the house the night of the murder, which I find crazy to me. I could not live under the same roof where two members of my family were just murdered and we have no idea who it is. And they're, they're all living in the right. house. And Lizzie and Emma's friend, Alice actually comes and stays with them. While, um, like you said, John Moore stayed in the attic. So they're all staying there and the police decide that they're going to keep a watchful eye on the house just, you know, in case there's any possibility of anyone other than the people living in the house. And while they're taking watch of the house, they notice Lizzie and her friend Alice leave the house to go into the barn, actually. And they find them coming out. I think Alice comes out first and they looks like there's some sort of like argument between the two of them. And then Lizzie goes back in and it's believed that that's where Lizzie burned her dress that had some sort of stain on it. When they were asked about it later on, Alice claims that Lizzie said that she got wet paint on the dress and that's why she was burning it. But the police believe that it was actually one of the dresses or the dress she was wearing when she murdered her stepmother and father. Um, so they're living there and the next day, I think Morse tries to leave the house and he's mobbed immediately by so many people. The police end up having to come break it up and they tell him to go back to the house. And on August 6th, so this is now two days after the murder, the police come in, which is crazy. You wouldn't think that Mm -hmm. they wait 48 hours to go and do a thorough investigation of the house. By that time, there's probably little to no evidence, especially if one of the people that did it is living in the house at the time. Like, there's no way you're going to find any evidence at this point. Well, of course, because they're going to get rid of it in some capacity, like in some Mm -hmm. way they're going to get rid of it. And that's what they believe because they go to the basement and they find a broken handled hatchet head, which the 
looking at the wounds, the doctor had said that it looked like it was some sort of hatchet or axe-like device that was used to cause both the injuries on Abby and Andrew Borden. So they're, that's what they're looking for. And they find this broken handled hatch, and, hatchet and the hatchet is completely clean, but they can't seem to figure out where the handle is. It's just the head. And they're assuming that maybe the handle is broken off in the act of the, the act of the assaults, but they find the hatchet. And again, there's no blood on it, no evidence on it whatsoever, but they refuse to do any sort of fingerprinting, which I guess fingerprinting at the time was kind of like a new sort of technique in finding clues. So they didn't really trust it at the time. So that's why they didn't do it. But again, they really did like base level work as far as trying to find any sort of clues or evidence. But I think that's also because the police basically were putting all their money on Lizzie. They thought it had to be her. She was the only one at the time that was there that was awake that could have done it. She's very strange. She's not answering our question. She's being very aloof and so they just kind of put all their chickens in that one basket right well and and at, at the time people mm-hmm. didn't really like lizzie she wasn't that like nice to people mm-hmm. from what i've read that she, the only people that, that they really liked that they, they were neighboring children that lived next door that she really that um that she really liked but she didn't speak to anybody mm-hmm. she was a spinster she was older mm. living with her parents. So um, I don't know if, if, if people were kind of afraid of her, but she was very intelligent, but did teach yeah, Sunday school, though. Yeah, she's looking at pictures of her. She does not this- look like a very kind and open person. She des- definitely looks like if you put like a habit on her, she'd look like the nun you feared at like Catholic school. Yeah, and I went to Catholic <laughs> so school my whole life, so I know what that's about. <laughs> I would know what that's about. I know. Sister Catherine, I know. I, yeah, she's still alive. And she tortured oh. me. Um, but um, but I... Um, so go ahead. Okay. Finish up. So Finish they do up. some sort of inquest, um, talking to Lizzie, starting on August 8th. She requested to have her attorney present with her, which nowadays that's like a given. Like you see any sort of show like Law and Order or my father's favorite Blue Bloods, you know that that's when all the conversation Ugh. stops. That's like literally the lawyer comes in and shuts everything down. But the police refused that because under a state statute at the time, there was there was that was said that was had to have it. There was the police um, at the time of the inquest, she was prescribed regular doses of morphine to calm her nerves, and which seems crazy. Let's give the person that we're trying to figure out, get any sort of information out of her from, morphine, and see if that helps open her up a bit or tries to get any sort of information out of her. Listen, I took, mm-hmm. I took, I had to take morphine. I was given morphine when I broke my leg, mm-hmm. and I was talking nonsense. Like, I was, I was, like... <laughs> bad ass crazy on morphine and it and i was like yeah so i don't understand Mm -hmm. how they would give well again they were giving like cocaine for like head injuries at this point you know like they didn't really know what they were doing they were just kind of giving people anything to get them to calm down and that the further reasoning why her testimony was probably affected by the drug she seemed very erratic at the time she often refused to answer a question even if the answer would have benefited her and she contradicted herself all the time and provided alternating accounts of the morning in question of the murder and saying that she was either in the kitchen reading a magazine when her father arrived home. And then she said that she was in the dining room doing some sort of ironing. And then she said she came, she was coming down the stairs when he came home. Um, she said she had removed her father's boots and put slippers on him, but then they t- took out pictures from the crime scene and you can clearly see he's still wearing his boots. So that was instance. And the district attorney at the time was very yeah. aggressive and confrontational when it came to Lizzie. Um, on August 11th, she was served with a warrant of arrest and jailed. Um, the inquest testimony, which was the basis for modern debate regarding her guilt or innocence. So this is what people are looking at now to decide whether she was innocent, whether she was guilty, um, was later ruled um, in an inadmissible at her trial in court. Um, as of June 1893 and people like were writing about it like crazy and especially in the Boston Globe that she seemed like she was possessed she had like some sort of solid demeanor and she would like bite her lips sometimes and she seemed flush 
she would talk to her attorney. She'd bend towards him and whisper things to her during the court proceedings. And she seemed to have changed her opinion among her friends who had thought that she was innocent. They suddenly saw her appearing in court and were like, this isn't, this isn't adding up. I'm really starting to think that our friend, our good old Lizzie may have actually killed her parents. And it just became like the trial of the century at that point. They were talking, it started in June of 1893. And one of the actual prosecuting attorneys was a future United States Supreme Court Justice, um, William H. Moody. And she was being defended by a man named Andrew Jennings and Melvin Adams and former Massachusetts Governor George Robinson, which is important because the judge proceeding over the, the case was actually appointed by George Robinson. So people now are starting to think that the reason why she was, or part of the reason why she was acquitted had to do with his relationship with the judge. Um, the court, the whole trial was very, very, very crazy for the time. Like people would write about it every day. People wanted like to be in the courtroom. They wanted to know what was happening. It was always the talk of the town, what was going on. Um, they were, there was actually talk that there was actually evidence to prove that it wasn't Lizzie because five days before the trial was supposed to start, a woman named Bertha Manchester was found hacked to death in her kitchen in Fall River. And they said there were many similarities between the cases, but this was later, this was later smashed and not actually proven to be part, part and parcel to the case because a Portuguese man who was later convicted of her murder in 1894 was determined, so was determined to be the one that did it. And they decided that, that it was Lizzie now. It was all zoning in on Lizzie. There was no one else. Um, they were talking about a lot about the hatchet during the case. I remember they were saying it was strange that it was the murder weapon um, that because they had very many hatchets in the house, but there was only the one that had no sort of, no, it was just the head left behind. There was no, no pun intended, but there was no sort of other yeah. like <laughs> evidence besides that one hatchet head. People were like, this is what she used. This is what it was. It was literally found in the basement, but there was no evidence proving that that was it. There was no evidence proving like there was no blood, nothing that could have connected it to it. It was just a broken hatchet head in the basement. Uh, at the house, at the mm -hmm. house, they actually have on the couch where he was murdered. Um, they um, they have Very it classy. on. Oh my the god, couch you touched it! I touched it. It was teeny. Uh, oh, I have a oh photo of it. I will put it up on our Facebook page. Yes. Oh, I touched it. I, I laid on the couch. Oh my god, and classic. Pretended to hatchet myself in the face, which. <laughs> yeah, but you know, what, what can you do? What 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 can a gal so do? So it go was ahead. basically this ahead. long drawn out court case. People couldn't believe it. They were all basically by the end of it thinking it's Lizzie. There's no one else it could possibly be, and the jury basically comes together. They it's a jury of twelve men, mind you, because at the time in 1893 they weren't yeah. women weren't allowed to vote. They weren't allowed to take part in juries so a woman uh i mean a trial by jury with 12 men you would think wouldn't really benefit her but because they were so i don't know what's the word they were very old-fashioned if you will they could not believe that it could have been lizzie they couldn't believe Ooh. that a woman a sunday school teacher could have been the one to do these grisly murders so after about 90 minutes of deliberation they come back and say she's not guilty. And this basically left a ripple through all of Fall River. People were mm -hmm. like, how is this possible? They couldn't figure out how they could go from thinking Lizzie was the one that did it. There's no other way to do it. And they were, they just couldn't believe that they came back saying, nope, she's not guilty. Um, but in retrospect, people now say that it was lots of circumstantial evidence. Again, there was no blood. They didn't do fingerprinting. They had no witness to the crime. There, even though there were so many people in and out of the house during the day, nobody saw anything. And it basically came down to the point where it's just the the investigation, which we know was done poorly, against this woman. And because she was a woman, they believed there was no possible way she could have done it. So she basically leaves the court that day a free woman. Yeah, she did. She did. And then her and her sister pretty much, um, well, um, after she was acquitted, her and her sister moved into the other house. Yeah, they didn't waste the any time house. spending any of that money they got. 
because yeah, it was yeah. called maple. Yeah, maple maple craft. Yeah. Was that maple craft? Yeah. Okay, I thought I was saying it wrong, but yeah, they, they wasted. They mm-hmm. they took all of his money. Yeah, they took I think all of his it money. It was funny because so go ahead. They looked you keep through going. the what, one of the questions they asked her was if she knew if her father had a will a will. And she said, no, I don't believe he had a will or I don't know anything about a will, which is kind of like Lizzie's questioning whenever they asked her about anything. She kind of played stupid. She's like, I don't know. I don't know anything about a will. But she said that she had actually heard talk of a will um, at some point within the last few years before her father was killed. And they asked her who she heard it from. And it was her uncle, John Morse, who um, brought it up at some point that there was some Mm. sort of will involved. And so she was found not guilty and they paid out the estate to her, which I think in today's money is about just under $10 million, which is nothing to, nothing to sniff at. But, um, but again, because the Abby's family was so vengeful, like they wanted some sort of revenge for, because they believed it was Lizzie. No one else could have done it. They wanted some sort of like the, some to take something away from Lizzie. So they took her to civil court and, or they took her, I think it was civil court, and she had to pay them a financial like payment to like ease their suffering or something. So a good portion of the, well, not a very good portion, but a good portion of the estate went to Abby's family. But they, Lizzie and, well, now Lizbeth, as you know, as you said, um, and Emma spent that money real quick. Yes. They went and bought their house, Maplecroft. And basically, they, which I find to be the craziest thing, they decide after all of this craziness, everything that happened, you know what, we're not going to move out of town, we're going to stay in town, and we're going to live in the most affluential part of town, and just ride it out. Like, uh, that seems to me to be the ballsiest decision they've ever made. The fact that... Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's what they wanted. I think that's what they, they wanted mm-hmm. to live. Like, they didn't want to live poor anymore. And, like, mm-hmm. they didn't want to... I mean, like they, they weren't were. poor, but... Like with having no, but they did. They did because their father was a. He was kind of a. Um, he was a penny pincher. He mm-hmm. was kind of a jerk. He was a jerk. Yes, he was a jerk. They actually finally had a bathroom, going, which was sister. huge. That was the one thing that, like, they were like affluent family, like all their life, and they never had a bathroom. They lived in like the middle middle class area of town, even though they fit more. They had more of the money of the upper echelon, the people that lived on the quote unquote hill in Fall River, and they basically lived together. They kind of avoid society as much as well any sort of people that were asking. They never really talked to the press or anything afterwards. But Lizzie still wanted to maintain the social aspect of the life that she always wanted. So she basically has this house, Maplecroft, and her and her sister lived there for, I think, about 10 years, 10 to 15 years together. Um, But then they have a falling out because it's rumored because Lizzie ends up taking up with this actress, Nance O'Neill, and she has starts to throw parties for her at the house and it just becomes that was the final straw for emma she just had to leave she moved out of the house and so this was 1905 she moves out of the house and never sees her sister again and they would both go on to live another 20 22 years which they go 22 years without seeing each other or even talking to each other she goes and moves out of state i think emma moves to um, New but again, Lizzie stays the strong ox that she is. She stays in Fall River. She's born in Fall River, going to die in Fall River. Um, speaking of, she got ill in the summer of 1927 with some, after she had had some gallbladder issues, she ended up just was never not being the same after that. She dies of pneumonia in the summer of 1927. And strangely enough, nine days later, her older sister, Emma, dies from chronic nephritis at the age of 76 at a nursing home in New Hampshire. Um, Just so strange that the two of them never saw each other again, never really talked to, never talked to each other, no correspondence whatsoever. And they end up dying nine days apart, which I find so fascinating. And the, and the thing about it is too, is um, with Lizzie Mm -hmm. and Emma, um, Lizbeth and Emma, I should say, um, um, uh, she went, there was nobody besides like at her funeral, oh. it was only her and the undertakers. 
no one else was there. No one else showed up. Nothing, you know? So, um, like, it's sad because if she, like, mm-hmm. I honestly, personally do not feel that she did it. So, so, so that's See, it. See, I so what do you was going back and what forth do you think? doing all of my research and everything. Like, I started off thinking it makes the most sense she did it. She's very, she's this very domineering presence. There was a lot of ill will between all of them. But I started to realize that there was so much evidence proving that she either didn't do it or didn't do it alone. So I, it became a, I decided to go with the fact that, okay, she didn't do it alone. So, cause I just can't go 100% say she didn't do it at all just because it seems odd the way she was not really she was contradictory there were things that didn't make sense so then I went back and I tried to figure out who could have done it with her and Emma to me is completely out of the picture because she was proven to have been I think 14 miles away with an actual sick relative so she was actually with someone sick yeah Oh, yeah, she was, she wasn't there. Yeah, she wasn't there. Yeah, she wasn't there. No, Lizzie and Maggie, or Lizzie and John Morse, which I feel like is the more probable of the two. Because I remember hearing that Maggie, while in court, like she was like, very much, she tried to help Lizzie, she tried to make, make statements that would help Lizzie on her deathbed later on, she came for she would say that she actually was not speaking truthfully in court and that she was trying to protect Lizzie, which makes me think, okay, maybe she was helping her. But also, I just think that it doesn't make sense to me that it would have been her just because the way of the murders and everything that happened and the day that it happened, basically Maggie was there and then she left. Like she didn't stay very long in the house. She moved to Montana and married a man and like just died. Nothing with her. So it leave that it was John involved with Lizzie. I feel like they both had some sort of ill will towards John. And I mean, towards Andrew and they bonded over that. I think he was upset because Andrew wouldn't help him. He had all the money in the world and he wouldn't help him succeed in life. And he was also upset because it was his sister had been married to Andrew and they still had no sort of like, it had no bearing on Andrew helping him. And Lizzie was kind of around this kind of the same means. She was upset with Andrew because she lived her entire life under his thumb was not given any sort of benefit, financial benefit of being his daughter. And it actually came to be, they found soon, like I think just before the murders, Lizzie found out that Andrew had given one of Abby's like distant relatives, he had bought her a house. And this really perturbed Lizzie. Lizzie was like, I don't have a bathroom in the house to go to the bathroom in. I have to go use the outhouse outside. And you're giving houses away to people that aren't even related to you. So I think it, again, I think it was definitely some sort of like financially based, but also some sort of like familial, there was some sort of like ill will definitely between the two of them, if not the three of them. Well, I, um, this was a fact that I could not believe that I read Um, upon her death, Lizbeth, left um thirty thousand dollars today would be um five hundred um and sixty seven thousand dollars in well in 2017 to the fall to the fall river animal rescue league she also left five hundred dollars today well in 2017 would have been nine nine thousand dollars in trust for the um care of her father's grave and other uh, other repres um other people that um were lucky enough to, to, to get money from her will were um, her closest friend and a cousin who each received six grand, which would be a hundred, hundred thousand dollars today. So, yeah. So, I mean, like she had money. Yeah. I think you, she only you know, ran through about like, half I mean, of the like, money that her father had left. So, and it seemed, it's crazy. Like it, it makes you think, cause yeah. like you said, she gave $500, which is about $10,000 for the trust uh, in a trust to protect her father's grave, which I find very strange and may lead to your point that maybe it wasn't Lizzie because why would you go and leave money? I mean, you can't really take it with you, but leave it to take care of the grave of the father that people thought you murdered for ill reasons. Like there was some sort of anger between you two. So I don't know if that's some sort of like, she feels guilty. So she's doing this like out of, out of guilt for him or if she's doing it because she actually loved him the entire time 
and was just just felt horrible for him. Right, exactly. And then I read too that there was a possible illegitimate. Oh yeah, did you read this about there was mm-hmm. like an illegitimate son, William Borden? Uh, so I they, mean, what someone was that came about? forward and said that there was an like, illegitimate son that they wanted was... to pin the murder on, but it turns out they looked into it and it wasn't one of Andrew's kids. I think they proved it was someone else. But again, it was, it just shows of the time that people were like, even like, because like today, people love salacious stories, and I feel like especially in a time like that where there wasn't really much to do as far as like any sort of entertainment, they kind of got their entertainment from real life. So they're like, oh, maybe it was like a bastard son that did it that came into town that nobody knew about and it could have been but it just wasn't the guy they found um the other thing i found interesting was the fact that people like from the get-go were saying that this was all about andrew that andrew was the one that they were after and that people were so many people thought of him as a villain and were angry with him but when you look at the crime scene andrew was hit maybe 10 11 times and he was asleep they they found he was definitely asleep at the time just because of the way his eye was cut in half it definitely looked like he was asleep at the time but abby was was alive when well she was awake i mean when she when it happened and she was hit close to 20 times just all over the head and face and so much anger so much ritual in that act makes you think that she was the real person that they were after they talk about it being a crime of passion but it seems like she was the one that was the main interest of killing and andrew was just like the one that was there that it was just to close the whole thing out that you had to get both of them but I feel like that's very damning evidence because it proves that maybe it wasn't Andrew all along that they were upset with. It the person that did it was more upset with Abby. Well, I think, well, mm-hmm. n- n- neither Emma or um, Lizbeth mm-hmm. um, liked, I liked love her. That. They called her Mrs. Borden. They did not call her. Li- they did not call her like mom. I don't, don't know what you would call. I mean, I call my stepfather Mike, so I don't know what what like people would do in that in that day, because getting exactly. remarried was not really all that common. Um, I kind of love that but, energy though. That instead um, of calling her I, mom or stepmom or uh, even by your first name, you call her Mrs. Borden. I find that very very toxic, very uh, like very, very ballsy. Yes. Very negative. It's very negative. It's very negative. So this is mm-hmm. what? Okay. So this is my take oh, yes, on staying at the Lizzie Borden house. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I stayed in the parents' room. So Andrew had a study and, um, oh, we didn't say, did we say was, when she it died? Was, uh, was June, it June 1st 11th? of 1927. June 11th, wasn't yeah. it? June 1st. Okay. I didn't know if we said it, um, mm-hmm. but so I stayed in the parents' room. So my mother stayed mm-hmm. in their bed, which would have been their bed, and I stayed in the study. So at one point during the night, now it was on Mother's Day because oh, I'm Cheryl. a creep and my mother's a creep and we love ourselves a good, <laughs> uh, we love, oh, oh, Cheryl, um, we, um, we love doesn't? ourselves a good, like a good murder mystery. So, um, so we stayed there and mm-hmm. so it was main room in the study. And the reason why I picked this room was because you had a, you had your own staircase Love that. and Very important. you also had your own bathroom. So that was fun. Um, very important when you stay in a B&B. I mean, you I've stayed in hostels all, no over the, all, all over the world. You could live without but, a bathroom. Yeah, I mean, but I picked that room, but I stayed in the study. So when I went to bed one night, I was like, oh, I'm like, why did mom have the window open? And I rolled over and I look at my window. I'm like, my window's not open. So then I went into her room mm-hmm. where she was. I mean, she was only like six feet away from Ooh, me. Even before We were COVID, social distancing you. at the time. Um even even before COVID. Um, and so I walked in and I checked her windows and I'm like, that's really strange. So when I wa- went back, um, like went back to bed, there were, 
I rolled over on the other side and there were mm-hmm. a ton of cold. It was a ton of cold energy. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, he's here. Like he is here. And it was, it was really not creepy, but um, it was a little like, mm-hmm. it, it, like it, it was a little unnerving because I'm like, I'm like, he's in here. And then I was reading all about it from mediums and stuff like that. And they all said that that place is one of the most haunted I can only imagine. places There's gotta be that so many ever like, stayed in. Spirits in there that are just so angry and so like volatile that I feel like it makes sense that there'd be a lot of like energy souping around in that house. Yeah, I, like, I, yeah, I just don't like, I don't know what it was, but I honestly, I honest to goodness think that it was that it was the uncle may mm-hmm. have killed may have killed um Abby and then because okay mm-hmm. so okay yeah so where Abby was killed she's at the top of the stairs right so Lizzie had it um Lizzie had to get they they claim mm-hmm. that she was naked when she killed them okay Windows are opened. It's August. It's hot. There's no mm-hmm. air conditioning because look at the guy won't even get a lamp. So, I mean, there's like, there's a lot going on in this house. Um, so she is at the top of the stairs at the first bedroom and has to come downstairs and go all the way down to the cellar, get changed, come back up. Mm-hmm. And kill her and then go back down because she wants to be naked. And then goes back downstairs, gets her clothes, puts back on her clothes, and then waits for mm-hmm. her father, does the same thing again. It is it is probably, mm-hmm. I, I can't, it, it's such a big space that in the basin oh, that she sure. had to like get changed in, there would have been blood in in the basin. So I don't understand mm-hmm. how they wouldn't have found there was no speckle of blood and there was no speckle of blood from her killing her um, stepmother and mm-hmm. then going all the way down the stairs. And from what I've seen, it's all, all carpeted the in there. Like there's Nothing no way did. you could wipe anything up easily. Like I feel like I've seen so many it's pictures a- and it's just carpet wall to wall. Oh, that's all that mm-hmm. it is. That's all that it is. And he was in the second parlor. So um, it like so it went when you walk in the house, one parlor, beautifully done, a second parlor, the dining room, the kitchen, and then you go upstairs. Another fun fact, though, yes. um, um, Li- Lizbeth was mm-hmm. not happy with her family because she was a kleptomaniac and used to steal from her mm-hmm. parents at, at at that point in time of her life. And so they ended up locking her out of the house. So like from my room where I stayed, you could not get out from that door because it was locked. You had to go down so the it stairs adds an added level through of the difficulty. kitchen um, to get outside. Yeah. So it was crazy. It was crazy. And um, mm-hmm. again, the attic was, Oh, a hotbed of activity. I honest, I, I honest mm-hmm. to God think that it was the uncle or cousin yeah, that, to, that did it. To add that, to your point, that the fact it, that it the window her. of opportunity was I so mean, small. And you talk about how she did the murders allegedly naked. The gowns and dresses of that time were no joke. Like it, you could not just slip out of it and slip back in. Like it takes so much effort to get in and out of those Victorian clothes. So to me, that was another point that, of innocence for me as far as Liz Beth is concerned. I feel like there's no way she could have in the span of 10 minutes been seen outside in the barn in one dress, come inside, take her clothes off, um, change, and then yell down to the, to the maid because it was proven by the investigators that Andrew was dead by 11 
and Lizzie called up to the maid. It was right around eleven ten. So that gives her ten minutes to do them to do the murder, then run outside, change or run wherever she went, change her clothes, go out to the barn, be seen by at least two people, come back in, and then scream that her father's been attacked. You know, it leaves very little time as far as the window of opportunity goes. No. Exactly. I can't even get dressed in ten minutes, and I don't wear all those petticoats, like. So I don't even, like, I don't, like, I honest, I really don't. And then in the house, we watched the Lizzie Borden movie, right? Because oh, it was they like only a had out, a TV uh, downstairs. With everybody so we B&B. watched it. And oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was everybody, which was, which was fun. It was nice. It looks beautiful. It was nice. It was, it was a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful home. Um, it, It's lovely. Um, But they... Mm-hmm. They they only had like certain movies and they had like no TV channels, so we had to like pick from the from the movies. So we're like, okay, well, well, we'll watch this movie, and oh, it was yes. the one with um, Elizabeth, the Elizabeth Montgomery, um, and yes, and we watched that, um, and um, that's and what I'm thinking. About, I'm like, don't talk about her in her home because she might. Like, don't, like, don't, I'd love don't to know what she thought her. of, like, what don't she would have thought of all these different, like, representations um, of her. Like, there's been so many movies. There was even, I think, an opera based on it. Like, I would love to know what her thought process on all of this is. Because most of them, or at least most of the ones that I've seen, show her to be the guilty one. Like, they show her to be the ma- the murderer. So I wonder what her, especially to play it in her own home, where the, it's been known to be a hotbed of right. activity. Like, that's kind of, again, ballsy on your part or at least the part of the people that live there and keep that movie there to uh, play it in her home and not expect to see or hear from her or one of her family members, you know? And we left, we left me and my mom left change around the house because, um, mm-hmm. because that's what you're supposed to do when they're, when, when there are dead people, like in, in a home, I, I, I had no idea about that. Uh, but that's what you're supposed to do. And mm-hmm. we left we left a couple of dimes, a couple of nickels in every room. Um, but I I honestly I there's no mm-hmm. way that that she could have done it alone mm-hmm. going all the way down the stairs because her room was the third room in. So if she got undressed naked, windows open uh-huh. in a hot August day with no electricity to walk all the way down those stairs, all the way down the cellar stairs with, and the cellar stairs were by, were right by Mm -hmm. where you would go up to the parents, the parents stairs. Well, that's where, Mm -hmm. that's where the maids and everybody came through. So all the traffic going by, no one, that was another thing. I saw a lot of people talking about the possibility of it being Maggie, the maid, a combination of Maggie, the maid and John Morse, because people talked about the fact that both of them were very like had ill will towards the family. It was very plausible that they could have teamed up in some way, but a lot of people talked about the fact that Maggie, when she, so at this point, when Andrew came home, it's believed that, or it's known that, at that point, Abby was already dead, dead on the floor, dead as a doornail. Um, so at this point, when Lizzie tells her to go and do the shopping, and she's like, you know what, I'm tired. I have muttonitis. I just need to go to bed. So she goes up, and her bedroom's on the third floor. So you're telling me that she goes <laughs> up the stairs and just walks right past the room yes. where Abby's laying dead, on, dead as a doornail on the floor and continues going upstairs without saying anything to anybody. I find that to be very odd, like, because she had to have gone up those stairs to walk past to go to her third floor bedroom to go take her little siesta. And she didn't say anything, which I find very strange. And. Well, she wouldn't have gone up those the front stairs because um, the only way mm-hmm. to get to um, the only way to get to the attic where they all live, of course, um, they don't have real names. to help. As, as you should call them, um, was up, up, up mm-hmm. the back, up, up the back staircase where their bedrooms were. Mm-hmm. So, 
So like, that's the only way to get to the attic because they have a storm door that opens up like, like, Oh, like a bunkhead. Like, like from the wizard of ours, like, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, like, yeah. So that's what it is. So she would not have maybe seen her, Mm -hmm. but she would have been able to to have gotten to that room. If she wanted to, but that's, but that's oh, the here's only a question way I have that, for you. That, so you the, stayed in the, the house help went and through the my, kitchen. my, always, whenever I think about the case and the people that were in the house at the time, yes. I always think you can answer this question. Can you hear things being in like opposite ends of the house? Could you hear something like maybe from the first floor happening up on the second floor? Like I always thought it's odd that Abby could have been murdered, attacked, and while she was awake and fallen to the floor, the giant thud and nobody could have heard it. Can you believe that like after staying there that someone could have been in that house and not heard anything? A thousand percent because the people that were above us in one of the rooms, um, they, um, mm-hmm. the, they, it, it kept feeling like it was shaking from us like mm-hmm. it like it kept it, it was like it was shaking 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 and me and my mom were mm-hmm. like oh what what do we do like like what do we do like do we go say something um like I don't I don't know like what we do so no you would feel everything in that house See, you that's would feel what's crazy every ounce of someone had to have that happened the in that house. of the body going to the floor and I can't imagine Abby not making any sort of sound when she comes across or like at least gets hit that first time, you know, I feel like there's no way she could have hit the floor, made a giant thud. Cause what I'm imagining in this house is not very, like I'm thinking thin walls, thin floors, like you could hear something from one corner of the house to the other. So it seems very strange to me that nobody was alerted to any sort of sound happening when Abby was murdered. Yeah, no, I don't, I honest, mm-hmm. uh, honest to goodness, I, I personally, this is how mm-hmm. I feel. I think John mm-hmm. Moss killed Abby because he wanted money. He wanted money. And then, then, mm-hmm. then Lizbeth mm-hmm. um, caught on to it and just sort of had to be, had to help out. Because there's no way that there's no oh, 100%, way that I agree. she could have done. I feel like that the, makes the most both sense. of the murders. When, they, yeah, I I think he was just a, a, like, why is why are you staying at your ex like 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 you know your passed yes, away Sarah. sister? No offense to the first Mrs. Borden, mm-hmm. but. Why are you? Why and here's are another you interesting thing about John Morris. When you he was actually a butcher, so he would have sort of some sort of like experience with using things like hatchets and meat cleavers and things like that. I don't think he would have traveled them with them like a traveling salesman, but he definitely had experience wielding that sort of like instrument. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't. Yeah, I think that it was him because I. I honest, I can, like, I just didn't feel that it was her. And the dad, like, the parents' mm-hmm. room was so negative and so scary. I to would be totally in. stay there. Oh, 100%. Um, but and we're not I'd staying stay in the barn again. in the back. When we we're going to stay it. in the house. And I think maybe make a few modifications. Like, I no. can't see myself staying there in the summer without yeah. some, at least some sort of window AC. I don't know how Lizbeth would feel about that. Or at least Andrew. I don't know how Andrew would feel about that. But, you know, your girl gets hot, so I'd need something to, like, cool me down. I don't think any sort of 19th century um, procedure or any sort of method that they have, they probably use morphine or cocaine to get people to sleep in the, in the summer. I don't think that would work for me now. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. I mean, well, that happens. Um, that happens to the best of us. Um, but I, um, but again, like every medium that I've listened to mm-hmm. has been like, yeah, that, that dad was a real, like, exactly a real force them to eat like, the pigeons well, that they wanted to keep at dinner one night because he didn't want to keep them because he thought they were a liability. Like that's evil. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just feel, ba- I, I just feel bad that, that she has this, 
like accusation on her head if she didn't do it. If she did it, sorry, sorry, Elizabeth. Um, but, um, uh, but I just, I, I don't know. I think it's just maddening. I don't think I mm-hmm. honestly I think she was just maybe the wrong place, the wrong time. I think she saw something happening, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, it just came into it because it was a Beautiful. hot summer day in, <laughs> in the industrial park in Fall River. Oh, yeah, I've seen yeah, pictures. It's, 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 it's a lovely. Like, I mean, it, it actually, the house is beautiful. The house is actually lovely. Oh, for sure. At least it has bathrooms. Oh, yeah, well, that house is actually, I think, nicer than, <laughs> than yeah, well, exactly. yes, they do have bathrooms about that. So I did not want to share a bathroom with people that I don't know. Um, but yay. Um, so what much. else? I feel like um, the only thing so I saw was that like, more after the murder, she kind of lived her best life and kind of went from city and within the New England area. I think she spent a lot of time in Boston because she was a big fan of theater. And I think that's how she loved spending her time was doing stuff in the social scene, spending time with artists and just living her best life but again like you said you had brought this up earlier she had a history of being sort of like a little bit of a klepto and there was one like little footnote in her pat in her later life where she was actually caught or at least accused of shoplifting um in 1897 in providence rhode island um she um was never like charged with anything or everything but again it leads to her leads to her history and what kind of person she was Um, I just, I, I think, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I mean, again, and she was a spinster. I mean, she was, she was younger than me. I mean, I'm technically a spinster with my dog that's asleep in his bed. Um, our other co-hosts, our other co-host. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it it's just sad that she was labeled like that. So was she trying to get money for herself? Like, who knows what mm-hmm. she was going like, through? Like that's because, the kind of life that again, she was living. And I think maybe that was the final straw for food. all of them. But it's it's just sad because, like, like you said, if she was actually innocent, and this is like her legacy, yeah, it's really sad because, like, this isn't what she wanted. She probably was a person from a wrong time. It's very well rumored that she was actually a lesbian and was not actually um, single because she wanted to be, but was single because she had to be. And I feel like it's just so sad that, like, she was living in a time that really wasn't accepting of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think she was a little, I, I think, I think that's what it was. I think she was a lesbian. And I do think mm-hmm. that she was so just soon. not happy, wasn't happy that her father remarried mm-hmm. after, after. Yeah her mother's death because it was only like a year and a half or like a couple years. Right. And, um, I, I, I personally, after staying in that mm-hmm. house, I do not believe well, that believe she did you. it. If you say it honest to goodness, I do not believe she did it. So, um, mm-hmm. and it, it, I mean, it was a lovely experience That's to stay dream. there and <laughs> I would stay there again. We're going to buy yeah. this place. <laughs> it's going to be where we retire to. We're going to yeah, have right? on the that's menu gonna and be everything. A dream. Me and you run in a B&B. <laughs> Live like the stars did. <laughs> yeah, to make, you know what? You guys want some mutton? You guys want some mutton? Um, maybe not Do you have anything else you want to say before we, um, maybe just before we wear, wear a mask, people? On our first real episode? Yeah. We both lived it. We lived the journey. Yeah, wear a mask because we both have COVID. Okay, so that's that's enough. Oh my goodness! So we're gonna mm-hmm. go out. Um, I'm so happy that everyone got to meet the second Anne. Oh, my dog Shalom. has still not um, given Mazel. up his menorah. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't given. Yeah, Shalom. Yeah, Shalom. Mazel. Yeah, oh. Mazel. Shalom. You know, like. Oh schmutz i i have no idea but he pulls it into his bed every night um but he's staring at me right now but right now we're gonna leave with a little smooth criminal Mm. featuring um our fantastic 
favorite person, Santana Lopez. Okay. I uh, yes, um, featuring um two cellos. Okay, guys, and please email us at Anne's A N N E S capital A being mm-hmm. Frank. Um, capital uh, capital B capital F. Okay. Tell us what you want to listen to. And now we have to discuss what we want to listen to next. So here we go, kids. That's what I was just thinking. Should we say, Abby, are you okay? Thank you. Yay. Well, thank you guys so much. And and give us a five-star review on whatever you listen Bye. to um, your podcast.